Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's a lot of freaking dead people here. We just get that creepy feeling. You feel it. He was evil. He's missing his whole face. He was found guilty. They lost everything. They lost everything. There's a hole in my head. I want the answers. This is not good. Could this be dangerous? There's an unhealthy attachment to the dead. They're being watched. My name is Amy Allen. This thing likes death. I see dead people. This thing's like a monster. I speak to dead people. And he's pissed off now. And they speak to me. His head was cracked. But there's only one way to know if my findings are real. This guy was murdered. I rely on my partner. I'm Steve Deshaven. I'm a retired New York City homicide detective. I cannot help you unless I know the whole story. And I know every person, every house has secrets. You saw her? It's my job to reveal them. Why would you stay here? But Steve and I never speak. We never communicate during an investigation. Until the very end. Stop it. We uncover if it's safe for you to stay. I want to know the truth. I want to know what's happening. We're time to get out. Don't you Amy and I work independently of one another. I interview witnesses and research the history of the location to see if there's anything unusual about its past, while Amy communicates with the dead. I'm in Rock Island, Illinois, a few hours west of Chicago. I'm on my way to meet with a woman named Melissa who says she and her four-year-old daughter are being terrorized by spirits in the house. She sounds pretty bad, and I'm hoping Amy and I can help. Before Amy arrives, I have to clear the area of any leading information. This house contains a lot of family photographs, so it's important I remove them, along with the kids' names, to avoid influencing her findings.
There's a lot of freaking dead people here. Very, very negative. There's like people under the trees. There's also this other really creepy dude. He wears a cloak and he's missing pretty much his whole face. He works with these people in the trees though. They're like underlings for him. He wants to get rid of living people. So, Melissa, I understand uh, you and your four-year-old daughter are having problems in the house. Yes. Okay. Who else lives here? Um, my husband, Mike, and our seven-year-old son, Nathan. And how long are you living here? We've lived here about five years. So what kind of things are you experiencing? We're seeing apparitions, shadows. Our daughter, Madison, we want her to not be afraid. We want her to have a normal childhood. What's going on with her? She would wake up in the middle of the night screaming that a little girl was in her bed. What about Nathan? He mentioned that there was one time he was coming up the basement stairs, and it felt like someone grabbed the back of his shirt and was trying to pull him down the stairs. Now, when did things kind of pick up here? When we moved in, I was pregnant with my son, Noah, um, and Nathan was about two. And um, I noticed um, a shadow in the basement. Okay, you said your son, Noah. You didn't mention... Yeah, I was pregnant with Noah when we bought the house. He passed pretty much right away after he was born. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. There's two people here who are mediums. One of them is extremely developed. It might be a child. This living person is very attracted to death. They want it around. I think there's family members that this person's held on to, or friends. Unhealthy attachment to the dead. This is the room that I and my son feel most uncomfortable in. We just get that creepy feeling. I feel like I'm being watched down here. And we've heard footsteps above us. Is anybody else heard besides you? Yes. Uh, when we've had friends over, they have heard it. I don't like it. And it's like when I go up the stairs to go back upstairs, it's almost like if you were being chased up the stairs, how you want to hurry up and get to the top. That's how I feel. The people from the trees, they do have to with people uh, because they do have to follow the orders. The cloaked man, who's in control of the dead from outside, sends them into the basement to torment the living. I think it's his mission to have this house destroyed. Some of them don't have legs. I saw one, like, pulling, pulling on the person's leg. I know that the living person's scared. They should be because these things are not good. This is where most of her experiences, if not all of them, happen. She would wake up almost nightly between 3 and 3.30 a.m. and she'd be screaming and crying, there's a little girl in my bed. Okay, now does she say the girl's threatening her? She says she wants to play with her. She says the little girl wants to play and I don't want to play with her mom. 
she wakes up in the middle of the night crying, um, just blood-curdling screaming that there are guys in her ears. And she'll she'll say that it, sometimes it sounds like a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I don't like being in here by myself. So I don't really blame her for not wanting to be in here by herself at night. Mm-mm. No, no, no. They just come in. Solid-ass dead people. Uh, like they present themselves. It's a thing they do to mediums. If they're doing that, then the kid is advanced. So what's going on in here? Um, this is actually where Madison was sleeping with me one night. She wasn't feeling well, and um, she was talking about the man under the bed. Which bed? This one? Um, this bed, and actually there is no under the bed. What the do you mattress mean? sits pretty low. You got about this much room under there. Right. And so I decided to give her a piece of paper and a crayon, and I asked her to draw me the picture. And she drew a circle with a frowny face and red circles all over its face. Do you have that picture? I don't still have that picture. Anything else in this room? This is also where I experienced what felt like someone sit on the bed, and I actually felt the bed like this, like someone's sitting there. Okay. And I looked, and there's nobody there. And I'm like, well, maybe I just felt something. And then I felt the bed lift. When this happened, were you sleeping? No, I was not asleep yet. I was laying there trying to fall asleep. The dead in here are from out there. They are the people from the trees. So many come in. What are they trying to do? Hurt them. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mike, I spoke with your wife, Melissa. It seemed obvious that your daughter was her biggest concern. That's the biggest concern for me is my daughter. Right. And Melissa's always told me things that have happened to her and I haven't seen them myself. So for me, it was hard for me to believe. Right. But now that the daughter's in the picture, telling me kind of the same stuff, I tend to believe Madison because she's so small. Have you had any experiences? I've had one here in Madison's room. Explain that one to me. It was actually this, uh, this shopping cart right here. And the shopping cart was actually in the middle of the room like this. Okay. Uh, loaded up with toys and... Uh, Madison woke up screaming and pointed at the shopping cart. Uh, did you ask her what, what she was screaming about? I just assumed that she wanted it back by her bed again. So at that point, I just said, all right, we'll put it right here next to you. Must have been probably a half hour later, I was back in bed again myself. She woke up screaming, shrieks. Okay. And then I came back in here, and this rug was in the middle of the floor, and the cart was turned and pushed to about here. What happened? Did she push it? Well, that was my first thought. I'm like, you know, she just pushed it away. But then... If she just pushed it away, why would she be screaming about it? She didn't tell me that anybody had pushed it. She didn't tell me that anybody took it away from her. She was just screaming, pointing at that cart that moved. Now, Mike, after this incident happened, the stuff you can't explain, are you a skeptic, not a skeptic? What's the story? It opened my eyes is what it did. Okay. Uh, there's a disturbance. I hear things moving. Like chairs moving, maybe a little bit of a poltergeist. And uh, stuff happens in here. Poltergeist, you know. Poltergeists are usually created unintentionally when someone with abilities represses intense negative emotions. These powerful forces can interact with the physical world and in some cases harm living people. Do you have any idea who it's coming from? I want to say a female. Okay. The living person doesn't know how to release their emotions properly. Anything that could be dangerous? Yes. Mike, I know you're probably at your wit's end with this, but what are you hoping we can help you out with this investigation? I just want my kids to feel comfortable and safe everywhere in the house. Nathan is not really comfortable going in the basement by himself. Melissa's not real comfortable with the attic at all. The attic? Right. She didn't mention the attic. There's an attic out here in the hallway. Can you show me? Yeah. What's the story? Why is Melissa not like going up here? Just kind of a dark, creepy thing. She's just not real comfortable. I don't think she's ever been up here once. Right. And you, do you know much about the house? And it was back, built back in the 40s. And right. before there was a house on the land, it was owned by John Looney. And he was a gangster back in the 20s to 40s in Rock Island. Okay. Let me ask you a question, though, Mike. If at the end of our investigation, Amy turns around and says, you know what? You can't fix this. You got to get out of this house. What would you do? That would be hard for me. You know, as the the husband and the father of the house, I want to be able to find the answers to stop my daughter from screaming in the middle of the night. So I'm hoping having you guys out here will be able to find some sort of answer. Okay. A lot of the people that are in the kids' area, they kind of live up here or hang out up here. But they all kind of work together and they died in various ways and places. This is not good. 
So Nathan, I was talking to mom and dad before. They told me that you've been experiencing some stuff in the house here. Uh-huh. Explain that to me. I was in my bed looking at the closet. I saw like a gray shadow running across it. Which closet? The one outside? Over there. Can you make out what it was? Um, it was kind of a person shadow. All right, so did that scare you? It scared me a lot. Just tried not to think of it and have a nightmare. Hey, did you tell anybody about it? No, I haven't yet. You haven't? Okay. So anything else happened? I felt someone trying to pull me downstairs. Down the basement? Mm-hmm. How? I'm, like, grabbing onto my shirt. I've been lied to by seasoned sociopaths, and I can always see through their lies. So when I'm talking to a kid, I know when they're telling me the truth. And this one is. Are you scared to be at home? Yes. The ones that are coming in here, they can get kind of nasty. They more look like shadows, but they, like, are up against the walls. Two groups of dead people are roaming this structure. The ones presenting themselves to the mediums who live here, and the ones crawling across the floors of the basement and master bedroom. They have one thing in common. They both have bad intentions. Is there anything else these people can do to the living? You see them out of the corner of your eye, but you feel them. What will these things eventually do? Well, they can kill. Mike told me that a mobster used to own his land. So I made some calls. And it turns out, he's right. I'm going to meet with a local author who says a guy by the name of John Looney used to run a bloody empire right off of Mike and Melissa's property. So you wrote this book about Looney. And from what I understand, he actually owned the property that I'm investigating. Is that correct? That's correct. This is John Looney about the time he came to Rock Island in the late 1800s. He met a woman named Nora O'Connor. They got married, and uh, they had two daughters and a son. Okay. But about 1903, his wife dies. And after she left, he spiraled downward into this life of crime. He was involved in gambling, moonshine. He was involved in prostitution. This is Looney from sort of the height of his power. How powerful did this guy get? Well, he, he basically controlled the town. People were very afraid of him. Basically, if there was something going on in town that was illegal, Looney was involved with it. Okay, now I assume he was a violent man. Well, we know that a lot of people died, and Looney had people on his payroll who were you know, basically paid hitmen. Do we know if he ever buried any bodies on the property? Just the fact that he had, you know, this large piece of land with nobody living around it, the opportunity existed. There's like a family out there. You know, like a mother, a father, I think like two or three kids. But their father, he's kind of freaky. Kind of creepy looking, too. Dressed all in black. I'm getting something about dirty dealings. What does he do? He's like burying bodies. So it was about 1922 and Looney's empire started to fall apart. In what way? There had been a big split in, in Looney's organization. Some of his former lieutenants who'd formed their own gang basically set up a hit on Looney. 
They didn't get him, but they got his son. Was he there when the son got shot? Yes. He was. Basically, they pull up in front of this hotel. Looney was going in to get some papers, and these other guys pull up, or they jump out and open fire, and Looney runs for the hotel, goes up on the second floor and starts firing back, but the son gets shot down on the sidewalk before he ever got to the door and eventually dies later at the hospital. Oh, I just got a nasty headache. And someone's yelling about a gunshot. I do feel like uh, there's a hole in my head. Uh, there's like blood and then uh, confusion. Like, I don't know if they lived. After his son was murdered, things just sort of fell apart. The city leaders started to shut down the gambling parlors and the hotels and the houses of prostitution and started arresting people. And uh, when the whole house of cards fell in, the feds went after him and he was arrested. And then subsequently, they filed murder charges against him for the murder of a local bar owner named Bill Gable who refused to pay him protection money. He was eventually found guilty. He ended up sentenced to 14 years for the murder and served eight of it. Where did he wind up when he came out of prison? Well, his daughter picks him up at the prison gate, and he goes to live with her and her husband in Texas. And he's there about eight years, and then he ends up dying from a lung condition. And how old was he when he died? He was 75 in 1942. Okay. This guy, dressed all in black, he's probably like in his uh, early 70s. He's fairly recent. He's fairly recently dead or something. But I keep seeing these bodies all over the place. He's like digging them and just throwing them in the ground, you know? Nobody likes him. He was evil. He definitely was not involved in good things. I'm at the library to see if anyone else of interest owned my client's property before John Looney. Digging through the archives, I discover a man named Sam Bowles, who lived on the property in the 1800s with his wife, Eliza. But what really caught my attention is the headlines surrounding their marriage. Turns out, Eliza went to the newspapers to make their troubles public, claiming her husband beat her. I'm no expert on the 19th century, but I don't think it was real common for women to go to the newspaper claiming their husbands abused them. I'm on my way to meet with a local historian who promises to tell me the rest of the story. I thought it strange that in 1886, a woman would actually go to the paper about domestic violence. That wasn't common back then, was it? No, absolutely not. Okay. Domestic violence was a taboo subject back then. You typically didn't read about it in the newspaper and you wouldn't have talked to your family about it. Now, Bobby, you mentioned on the phone that um, there was a little bit more to this story. One week after that was published in the newspaper, Eliza died of a stroke. You know if she was sick? No, she wasn't. It was a sudden death. Okay. Did they have any children, the two of them? Yes, they actually had one, daughter Talitha. She was born in 1861. Okay, now, what kind of guy was Samuel? Uh, he was a very prominent man in his community. He actually had built him a school, a church, and a cemetery for his citizens. So, Bobby, what wound up happening with this guy? Um, he actually died in 1893, and Halita inherited his estate. She sold it off piece by piece, and eventually the last piece was sold to John Looney. 
am seeing a female. She is kind of prissy, uppity. She's wearing a very lacy dress, comes all the way up. I think that her parents might have died pretty young. And she's disgusted by the people she's surrounded by. This house is crawling with dead people. And what has me disturbed is their attraction to the children's rooms. She's just very uh, advanced. During my research, I also discovered that before Samuel Bowles, Native Americans lived all over what's now my client's property. In this part of the country, that's no big surprise. But when I called the local curator of the Native American Museum, she said that what went down there may be helpful to my case. So I understand that the property I'm investigating used to be Native American territory? That's correct. Okay, what can you tell me about it? Well, the last tribe of Indians to inhabit that area were the Sauk Nation of Indians, and they were here from about 1735 and was about 5,000 people. Okay, so what happened with the Indians there? They uh, lost their land to the American government in 1804, but only about two-thirds of the tribe was willing to go. Uh, about one-third of the tribe that was led by the warrior Blackhawk uh, refused to leave the land of their ancestors. Blackhawk said, I'll die before I leave. But one of their spokesmen was a man named Keokuk, who was very friendly to the Americans. He was able to convince his own people that there was no point in fighting the American government and it was better to just move as they were told. What about the people that didn't support him? How did they feel about him? Well, they felt that he was a coward, uh, a traitor to their nation. Uh, Black Hawk uh, felt nothing but disdain for him. So the people that sided with Keokuk, did they prosper with the deal he made? Well, no, they were removed over into Iowa uh, and told that they could live there forever. But within 10 years of this promise, they're gone. They lost everything. They lost everything. I'm seeing this leader guy again who's wearing a cloak. And he says, they're still our territories and we still watch over them. But when he was alive, he screwed up. He wasn't doing his job. He says that everybody who's come since has just everything up and destroyed it. He feels justified as far as wreaking havoc on people. What does he do? Basically whatever needs to be done, but he senses people in to do it. What do you mean? The people that he puts in the trees were from his time, like 17-something. When he sends people into the house, why is he doing that? That's him trying to get rid of this building. Now that Amy and I have completed our investigations, we're ready to reveal our findings to each other and our clients for the first time. Mike and Melissa have been here about five years. Melissa's had experiences from the minute they came here. They have two beautiful children, and one of the kids is having a very tough time here. Waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, crying. She's afraid to be here. So they're concerned if their kids can live here in a safe environment, and that's why they called us in. With that, I'm going to have Amy start to talk about her walk. 
I immediately get the sense that someone here is contributing to what's happening in this house. But I can also tell they're not emotionally ready to hear it yet. One of the first people that I encountered was a male. He's not a good guy. He's dressed all in black. I did get that while he was alive, he was particularly evil, and he definitely was not involved in anything good. Who do you guys think it sounds like? John Looney. John Looney? John Looney was a gangster that uh, owned this property back in the 1920s. He was involved in everything. Prostitution, gambling, bootlegging. He was supposedly very ruthless. Got convicted of murder. He was suspected in many, many more deaths. There's pictures of him here. Interesting. I think his reason for buying the property up here was because it was perfect for burying bodies. bodies. Now, you think the guy you saw was him? Looks like him, yeah. What else did you see? Well, then I saw something out back, which was pretty freaky. Under the trees are all these people. And um, all of them used to live on this land. And their leader was this man who came up. He walked up and he was wearing a dark cloak. And I got that this guy was from a very long time ago, like 1700s. He feels that his job was to be in charge of a large territory, and he screwed up. He just made a, a big mistake. And now that he's dead, he does an incredible job of watching his territories psychotically too well. It's interesting you say that. There was a tribe of Indians called the Sauk Nation that inhabited your land. There was an Indian by the name of Kiaka. And when the white men came, he kind of appeased them and kind of played both sides of the coin. And he basically sold out the whole Indian nation here and had them displaced. This is Keokuk. Even to this day, that tribe feels he sold the whole tribe out. Well, it kind of makes sense because what this person wants is the house to be gone. He said he's not the only one who watches this territory. He'll send other people to, like, take care of business. Now, did you see any of those people inside this house? There was a lot of them in the master bedroom, on the floor, around the bed, basically. Some of them can't walk. Some of them can only crawl or, like, pull themselves. Tell Amy about Madison, what she saw. She was sleeping with me in bed one night. She said she didn't want to go to sleep because of the man under the bed. And I said, well, there's no man under the bed. And she goes, yes, mommy, he's under there. And then she got down and looked under the bed. And I said, see, there's no one under there. She started pointing and she said, mommy, he's right there. And the thing with the bed you had told me about, you were laying in the bed alone. Mm-hmm. Tell Amy about that too. Yeah, I had just gotten to bed and I felt somebody sit down on the bed. So I turned to look and there's nothing there. And then I felt it, whatever it was, get up off the bed. Would that have been something that you were talking about in the mess bedroom doing that to the bed? Um, probably not. That's probably him. He's got goosebumps. So what else is going on? Then I went down to the basement 
And uh, I saw some of the specific dead people that I think were sent to destroy your house. They're all naked. They're all in different levels of decomposition. And I think two of them want help. I actually saw somebody doing laundry, a female. This was a living person, and one of them was crawling on the floor and was actually trying to grab the person's pant leg. Yeah, there's something about that laundry room. I feel like I'm always being watched. Nathan had another incident in the basement here going up the stairs. Tell Amy about that. He was walking up the stairs, and then he felt a, a little tug on the back of his shirt. OK, interesting. And you would think you'd be one of these people that tugged on him? Yes. Let me ask you, you said you saw a living woman? That's what you saw? Mm-hmm. Well, I sketched it. You sketched that scene you saw? Yes. She's gray. Her hair is all kind of wet. Her legs are kind of bent sideways. Oh, that's creepy. Wow. That's pretty scary. It's sad. It's just so uneasy for me in there. Maybe this person is reaching out to me for help. Why would they be reaching out to Melissa for help? I did get that there was someone here who brings in the dead. There is a female who they think is a medium here. So when you are a medium, dead people are attracted to you who want help. There is a slight unhealthy attraction to death, like an obsession with it. It's dangerous, and a lot of the dead here can inadvertently harm you. Well, when I first started interviewing Melissa, she had told me that she's had experiences since she was a kid. I always felt like I had psychic abilities, but I had never really been afraid of my experiences. Mm -hmm. Now that my daughter had been really, really frightened, I was like, okay, there's something going on and we need to get this taken care of. Now you believe this stuff gets passed down through generations. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And the other thing was getting that there was a child who's extremely open here and very well developed, uh, which is very interesting. When I went into the bedroom, the dead lined up and greeted me. It's a type of introduction. Usually this is like for, you know, really advanced mediums. So I was like shocked. You saw this in Nathan's room? I don't know. It had the bunk beds, I think. Yeah, that's Nathan's room. I feel like Mike and Melissa have always known that something wasn't right in their home. They've just been too afraid to admit it to each other. I think your daughter has something going on too. But right now, he is way more advanced than your daughter. It makes sense with him not being afraid. This is Nathan. Aw, cutie. Has anything traumatic happened to him? Nathan was about two years old. We had another son named Noah. Okay. And he actually passed away shortly after birth. I have Noah's picture. Can I show that to Amy? Sure. Is that all right? Sure. This was right before he passed. Hmm. 
We knew something was wrong halfway through the pregnancy. So you guys were preparing for this before even? I never prepared for it. I didn't accept that he wouldn't live. Now that I know about Noah, it all makes sense to me. So the last thing was a little bit of poltergeist going on here. I felt things were sliding across the floor. I felt that uh, the adult medium won't let go, specifically to the family and friends. And uh, this is kind of something that is being held inside and is coming out in, in this manner. And I think this person has some anger and it's not being properly released. I sound like you. had other people tell me that I haven't grieved properly for Noah. So that, that makes sense. I can't think of um, anything I've noticed, like a, like moving. The one thing that I've found unexplainable in this house since I've been living here is uh, a shopping cart that Madison has in her room, a little toy shopping cart. It was parallel to her bed at one point, full of toys when she was younger. Uh, and she woke up screaming. I came into her room and it was turned and in the middle of the room. Mm. There's no way she could have pushed it there. Mm -hmm. it, uh, so I, I put it back and then she woke up screaming about a half hour later and it was again turned and in the middle of the room. Interesting. Yeah. That's a pretty big moment. Could that be from the poltergeist? Yes. Melissa, I know tonight was pretty rough. You heard a lot of things that you probably didn't want to hear. Uh, but the big question is your children. Right. Is it safe for them to be raised here? With that, I'm going to turn that over to Amy. You have a lot of debt around this location. So the first thing you need to do is grief counseling. This is going to allow you to let go of the debt and to process emotions in a beneficial way. This will also help you get rid of the poltergeist. For Nathan, something he should do every night before he goes to bed is to have him state that he only allows the good dead and guides to stand by him and help him. He has that power and the good guides and the good dead are going to be pushing the bad out as well. So will that get Looney out of here? Yes. The last thing is you can go to the tribe that Kiakuk is from and ask them to do a ceremony in, in your backyard to release him and the people that he's imprisoned. I feel really good about it. I'm anxious to start helping Nathan and get rid of these negative energies. We have a game plan now. For me, I feel like a puzzle's been put together in front of me, to be honest with you. But are you going to follow Amy's advice? Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Melissa has a lot of work ahead of her to rid her property of the evil that resides here. But once she confronts her past and follows my advice, I'm confident that her family will be able to live in peace.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.